If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, we, are, we are not going to be here long today. I'm not a long-winded preacher sometimes, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not long-winded. I think I, I definitely want to have uh, everybody be able to enjoy their Sundays uh, and, and not sit in church all day. But we are going to preach a little bit this morning. Um, as you're turning to Genesis chapter 3, uh, anybody in here ever felt the urge within just a few minutes of somebody yawning, it's contagious and you, you, you had to yawn? Anybody ever had? How about you ever been somewhere with your friends and, and you're, you're there somewhere and you, you all think something is absolutely hysterical and you laugh and you, maybe even late at night, anybody know what I'm talking about? You get late at night and get slap happy a little bit? Yeah. Nobody knows what that's like, I guess. Okay, I'll go over and preach to this side. Um, Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get a little goofy, and you're laughing. And if you're at a restaurant somewhere, they all look at you like you're crazy. And that makes you laugh even harder because they don't get it, but you do. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> this is in a very primitive um, ease, uh, beginner stages of what is known in our, in our culture today as a shared experience. Has anybody ever heard that term before? Shared experience. It's a very popular term these days um, where... Uh, a, a, base, a shared experience is where something happens that you and a group of people enjoy at the same time. Now, I'm a fan of late night TV. Anybody else in here like to watch the talk shows at late at night? Is everybody afraid to raise their hand? Or is it, it's okay. We are in church, so I'm not going to call you down front if you raise your hand. <laughs> okay. Um, but if you, if you, uh, you know, Jay Leno and Jimmy Fallon and David Letterman, all those guys, I, I like to watch Jimmy Fallon. And uh, Jimmy Fallon's one of the most popular segments on his TV show is actually called the Shared Experience where the audience actually participates in an event together, all at the same time. And I mean, and now, of course, we're talking about secular TV, so they're usually goofy things. Like one time they had a Jersey Shore shared experience. And if you don't know what Jersey Shore is, it's a, it's a teenager-type show on MTV. And um, all of the audience put on spray tan and these really tight designer shirts, and they sat through the whole TV taping with their hair all spiked up just to have that shared experience together. There was another one where they had people, some nerds, playing Jenga, the, the little block, uh, stack, block stacking game, down front, and he gave the entire audience Nerf guns to see if they could, you know, all throughout the show, they were able to shoot darts at the Jenga to try and knock it over just so they could all have that shared experience. Um, they've had, you know, all kinds of other things where um, uh, right after the share, shared experiences theme song happened, all the audience members were given a red balloon, and I don't know how they got hoses to everybody, but as soon as the show ended, or as soon as the song ended, they all stuck the hoses in the balloon, blew their balloons up, and then they all let them go at the same time, and it was just a bunch of all over the place. This was a shared experience, okay? And, and it's a really popular segment on his show. And this is really something that, that, that goes to, to our lives. Now, some of us think that's really stupid to just all of us pump up an air balloon and let it all go at the same time. Or I'm not wearing a designer shirt and mousse in my hair, so I hope that's not what you're getting at for this church, okay? I'm not. But what I am saying is, when people share experiences together, there is an actual energy and a power that is exchanged, which is why we do them so often. Now, even though you may not be doing crazy stuff like that, think about where you spend the holidays. Most everybody has a tradition with their families or with, you know, friends or something. They, they, you know, we rotate, 
Okay, we go, to, we go to Sharon's house one year for Christmas. We go to my parents' house the next year for Christmas. Uh, and then, so if I'm at Christmas with them, I'm at Thanksgiving here. So we, and I can tell you what our Christmas is going to be like because we've had so many shared experiences like that. Okay, think about, let's go all the way back through history. Shared experiences are nothing new. Okay, from the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel was a, basically a big shared experience. Okay, from the time when they went to, um, you know, they used to go to the Colosseum and watch the gladiators fight, that was a shared experience. How many of you can remember the last time your favorite sports team won a championship of some sort? Nobody in here can? Uh, I can. The Kentucky Wildcats just won the 2012 National Championship in basketball. Praise God we hadn't had something to celebrate in the bluegrass for a while. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but usually when those kind of things happen, you don't just remember that it happened. You usually remember who was there with you when it happened. Okay, case in point. Some of you in here won't be old enough to remember this. I'm, I'm not old enough to remember it, although I was alive. How many of you remember when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? Okay, all right. Most people, okay, you're not old. You're seasoned. <laughs> um, how many of you could remember where you were when that happened. Do you remember who you were with? Okay. How many of you remember, all right, let's, let's take something more recent. How many of you remember 9-11? Do you remember who you were with when it happened? I do. I was laying on the couch at my house, and Jody came and woke me up. It was fairly, fairly early in the morning. We were on Central Time at that time. She came and woke me up, and she's like, Brent, you need to wake up and, and turn on the TV. I remember, I remember immediately. I mean, we were living in a little house on, you know, on Princeton Street in Broken Arrow. I remember it like it was yesterday. I can remember her standing over me. I remember the nightgown she had on. I, mean, I, remember, I remember everything about that, that moment. Why? It was a shared experience at that moment. Now, it's not a positive one, but it was a shared experience, okay? Um, let's go more recent or more positive. That's kind of a downer. Thanks for bringing everybody down, Brent. But, um, but, I mean, a lot of times we plan things around who we can do them with. You know, I was a youth pastor for 20 years. And we used to, <laughs> Joab was, was part of our staff out there. Um, we, used to, um, we used to plan midnight viewings of movies because we all knew we could all go see it together. And, I mean, we'd literally go into the movie theater at 12 o'clock at night like a bunch of crazy people <laughs> and take over. I mean, there would be 200 of us in there, and, and we'd all be screaming at each other and yelling at each other and waving at each other and having a great time together. And, I, and we can remember certain things about the movie, but we always remember who was there. Is everybody with me where we're going with this? I want to say to you today that church should be the ultimate shared experience. And this, you know, I'm going to talk about this for the next three or four weeks because this is vision casting time for Destination Church. And, and if, you, if some of you got our flyers, some of you got uh, our stuff on Facebook or have seen it, our, our motto is this, we want to travel the road of life together. And this should be the ultimate shared experience that when we are doing this together, we are experiencing things together, and yet we are also exchanging memories with each other and, 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 and values with each other and our relationship with God with each other. Come on, that's good. Church should be the ultimate shared experience. Now, the reason that most people, even though this is nothing new under the sun, most people are talking about this so often is because they have discovered that there is an actual power that is actually transferred when people come together, all right? Um, there, and because people are starting to realize that, and we're going to get to that in just a second, 
they're starting to foster these, where these don't just naturally happen anymore. People are starting to make these things happen. This is why Jimmy Fallon does what he does, because there is an actual power of transference when people come together and, and share a memory or share something together. When that happens, um, naturally, we just take it for granted. And so because something gets taken for granted, we have now all gotten to the point where uh, we don't really notice it anymore. And so these other people are fostering these things and making these things happen because they want to have that, that connection that forever binds you to someone else, all right? Um, I'm going to quote to you a couple of, uh, of articles, um, and this is by a man named Dr. Roland McCready, and he's a Ph.D., and uh, he wrote an article entitled The Electricity of Touch. Now, I want you to listen to what he has to say. Um, the Electricity of Touch uh, is the title of this article, and he says this, We present a sampling of results which provide intriguing evidence that an exchange of electromagnetic energy produced by the heart occurs when people touch or are in proximity to one another. Okay? Signal averaging techniques are used to show that one's electrocardiogram, uh, or ECG, that signal is registered in another person's electroencephalogram, which is the EEG. All right? Basically, it means this. The, the, heart, the heart puts out an electric signal. All right? When you're in contact with somebody else, your brain actually picks up that electric sim- signal from somebody else. Let me break it down to you a little more lay terms way. All right. I have Bluetooth on my phone. Anybody in here have a Bluetooth phone? <laughs> all right. I have that synced with my Jeep. I have a, a Jeep um, Wrangler that's got a Bluetooth receiver in it. And the, uh, last night, I was talking to my cousin on the phone, and all of a sudden, he wasn't there anymore. And I was looking at my, and I'm in, I'm in the, our other car by myself. And I'm like, what, what's going on here, you know? And I hang up and I call him back and nothing. I can't hear him. It says he's there. And then it hits me. Jody's following me in the Jeep. And she's listening to Caleb talk to me. And he can't hear me because the microphone's in her car. <laughs> All right, basically what is happening here, the Jeep is picking up the Bluetooth signal coming from another car. This is what happens when we're together. You actually pick up the vibrations, and you actually pick up electromagnetic energy coming off somebody else. Now, this is, we're not even talking about the Holy Spirit or the anointing or anything. We're talking pure science here, okay? You actually, just by being in proximity from somebody, can actually pick up what they're putting off, okay? And if you're putting off positive things, then guess what? Your heart rate is in proper rhythm. It starts to affect Come on now, somebody else. This is why shared positive experiences are so important because when you share them with somebody else, you have that positive influence that's always there with you. Okay, now that's pure science, and it's not science fiction. It's not like Star Wars or, you know, this is, these aren't the droids you're looking for type thing. This is a real, okay, real thing, all right? While the signal is strongest when people are in contact, it is still detectable when subjects are in proximity even without contact. You ever been somewhere, like at the mall, and you know that this mom just got done beating her kid, but you didn't see it actually happen, but you know it happened? Why do we know it happened? Because there's like a vibe in the air. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That doesn't happen at the mall. I guess it's illegal in the mall. Walmart. <laughs> like, you know, somebody said that Walmart is the last asylum for spanking your kids. So if you're, if you're, if you're driving down the street, your kids are acting up, just look at them and say, you don't straighten up, we're going to Walmart. 
but you know, so, okay, anybody ever been around somebody that, that they've argued like a man and wife had an argument or something, and, and you just know there's something not right? Yeah. It's because they're putting, they're, it, is, it is not just a weird science fiction thing. This is an actual scientific thing. Their brain waves are actually transmitting, or their heart is actually putting off energy that your brain's picking up. That's really interesting. Because I want to propose to you, now that we've gone through the scientific side of this, I want to propose to you today, this is what God's intention was all along. In Genesis chapter 3, excuse me, 2, we were intended to have shared experiences with each other from the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18, the Lord says, uh, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be, that last word is, alone. And then he goes on to say, I will make him a helper, someone. And he actually took Adam's rib and and made Eve. Now the Apostle Paul kind of echoes this this same kind of thing in Hebrews chapter 10. If If you're there, go ahead and flip over there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 24. We're talking about this place, church, being the ultimate shared experience where we actually positively influence one another. That's what we're all about. All right, verse number 24, it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. How do we do that, Paul? The next part of the sentence. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another... And as so much, the more as you see the day approaching. Okay? Paul is telling us that in, con, to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, you have to first be around each other. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Why is that? Because shared experiences will help us in so many areas of our lives. But now for the purpose of this series and talking about this church, we're going to talk about four of them. This week you're going to get number one. You want the rest? you got to come back. Okay. Number one, shared experiences here in the church allow you to face fear in your life. Now how many of you can remember growing up and your mom dad telling you to go to bed, and you telling them, will you go in there with me? <laughs> now, my cousin, he's watching today. He's a big, big kid like me. His sister is about two years younger than him, and he, was, he towered over her when they were younger. He was huge, and she was a little gymnastics, you know, flipping around everywhere. And when they would come visit us in Kentucky, and th- they would stay with my grandparents. My grandparents have a pretty big house with a big upstairs. And his mom and dad would say, Go upstairs and get ready for bed. And he's big. He's a big kid, you know, big, you know. And he's a baseball player. I mean, he's you know, he's not a little, you know. He's a big athletic kid. And he would look at his sister and be like, "Come on, Courtney," because he didn't want to go upstairs by himself. <laughs> okay, I'll tell him myself. My mom and dad are sitting right here. They can vouch for every word. Multiple times growing up in that same house, we lived with my grandparents for a while, I would sneak down the hall and sleep in the floor next to their bed because I didn't like being up there by myself. 
How many times do you almost step out of the bed on top of me? More than you care to mention in front of everybody. Okay. <laughs> Why? All right, listen, we, we take that for granted with our kids and our family because it's just so normal. But you know what? Your kids are yearning to be with you because it's something that God puts in us yearning a shared experience. All right? Now, I'm going to show you a little video right now. Now, I, if you're going to be around, you're just, just so you know, I like to use video a lot. I will do it a lot. All right? Does anybody in here know what a TED Talk is? Okay. TED Talks are online things, kind of motivational uh, or instructional, where they actually teach you, you know, some kind of unusual thing. Well, I found this TED Talk video, and this made me laugh so hard, um, and, and it kind of became the springboard for this message. I don't think it's the foundation, because I believe the foundation is the Word of God. Come on. But it's a good springboard for us to talk about this, okay? So I want you to walk, watch this, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap this up today. I started improv everywhere about 10 years ago when I moved to New York City with an interest in acting and comedy. Because I was new to the city, I didn't have access to a stage, so I decided to create my own in public places. So the first project we're going to take a look at is the very first No Pants subway ride. Now this took place in January of 2002, and this woman is the star of the video. She doesn't know she's being filmed, she's being filmed with a hidden camera. This is on the 6th train in New York City. And this is the first stop along the line. These are two Danish guys who come in and sit down next to a hidden camera. And that's me right there in a brown coat. It's about 30 degrees outside. I'm wearing a hat. I'm wearing a scarf. And the girl's going to notice me right here. And as you'll see now, I'm not wearing pants. So. At this point, at this point she's noticed me, but in New York there's weirdos in any given train car. One person's not that unusual. She goes back to reading her book, which is unfortunately titled Rape. I'm not sure. <laughs> so she's noticed the unusual thing, but she's gone back to her normal life. Now in the meantime, I have six friends who are waiting at the next six consecutive stops in their underwear as well. <laughs> They're going to be entering this car one by one. We'll act as though we don't know each other. And we'll act as if it's just an unfortunate mistake we've made for getting our pants on this cold January day. So at this point, she decides to put the rape book away. <laughs> she decides to be a little bit more aware of her surroundings. Now, in the meantime, the two Danish guys to the left of the camera, they're cracking up. They think this is the funniest thing they've ever seen before. And watch her make eye contact with them right about now. that moment in this video because before she had before it became a shared experience it was something that was maybe a little bit scary or something that was at least confusing to her and then once it became a shared experience it was funny and something that she could laugh at so the train is now pulling into the third stop along the sixth line
So the video won't show everything. This goes on for another four stops. A total of seven guys enter anonymously in their underwear. At the eighth stop, a girl came in with a giant duffel bag and announced she had pants for sale for a dollar. Like, you might sell batteries or candy on the train. We all very matter-of-factly bought a pair of pants, put them on, and said, thank you, that's exactly what I needed today. And then exited without revealing what had happened and went in all different directions. Thank you. So that's a still from the video there. And, and I love that girl's reaction so much. And watching that videotape later that day inspired me to keep doing what I do. And really, the, the, one of the points of Improv Everywhere is to cause a scene in a public place that is a positive experience for other people. It's a prank, but it's a prank that gives somebody a great story to tell. And her reaction inspired me to do a second annual No Pants Subway Ride, and we continue to do it every year. This past January, we did the 10th annual No Pants Subway Ride, where a diverse group of 3,500 people rode the train in their underwear in New York, almost every single train line in the city, and also in 50 other cities around the world, people participated. All right, now, so that video really just, to me, nails it on the head, because she was scared. That poor girl, I mean, bless her heart, she was scared. Until she connected with somebody else on the, on the train. And the moment she connected with somebody else, she wasn't afraid anymore. She smiled. She thought it was funny. This is what a shared experience here can do for you. Now, my son, he's really into Scooby-Doo. But we've had to start tapering back because he won't go to the bathroom by himself. <laughs> Will you please go in there with me? No, you're, you're five years old. You can go to the bathroom by yourself. But it... it being with somebody else makes, causes fear to just loosen its grip. Now, the first thing we need to realize is that fear doesn't come from God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7, it says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if fear doesn't come from God, then we need to kind of maybe understand what it is. Okay? Okay. Fear is a distressing emotion, now this is what you go look it up in the dictionary, a distressing emotion that is aroused by impending danger, evil, pain, etc. This is the part that I think is very, very, very crucial. Whether the threat is real or even imagined. Okay? Fear is also defined as a paralyzing belief that something bad is going to happen. All right? Now, we have to understand this. Fear is the opposite of the thing that pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay? So if fear is the opposite of what pleases God, faith is what pleases God, they are exact opposite of each other. However, they operate by the same set of guidelines. All right? Um, Faith is defined as a firm persuasion, a conviction or belief based upon hearing the word of God. Now, that's what Romans chapter 10, verse number 17 tells us, that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everybody familiar with that scripture? All right. Okay. So even though fear and faith are opposite sides of the same coin, they operate the same way. So how do we get to have faith? We actually have to have the information about God's word communicated to us. Therefore, the way we fear something is that the information about that thing we're afraid of is communicated to us. Now, for some reason, I think I came out of the womb scared of snakes. Anybody else in here scared of snakes? My son has absolutely no fear of snakes. 
I mean, he, he's like, he talking about, uh, we were talking about Animal Kingdom the other day, and, and he's like, do they have a snake exhibit there? Because I want to go see him. And I'm like, <sighs> what? <laughs> That's scary. All right. But it was communicated to me differently than it's been communicated to him. He has no fear of it. And when we, I took him to a place in Oklahoma before we lived here or moved here, and, and they had one of them big, big bow constrictor, you know, the, the white ones, the big albino ones. And he was like, Daddy, put it around your neck. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'd never touched a snake except a pair of boots, okay? I've never been around them except get that thing away from me, Okay. And he just kept talking and talking and talking. So I did it. I put it around my neck and held it out there, and I felt like Britney Spears. You know, <laughs> I was holding that snake out there, and I was like, my heart was just, and, and my face turned red. And he's like, are you okay, Daddy? <laughs> and I'm like, no, get this thing off me. <laughs> All right? But fear comes from the way things are communicated to us, and sometimes it can be imagined. It doesn't even have to be something that's real. But we can be told that it is, and now we're suddenly afraid of something that may or may not even be true, all right? In order to be afraid of something, you have to start believing something about that. So how do we believe it? Is when things are communicated to, to us, all right? Now, right now in America, all we have to do is turn on the TV, and you hear how bad it is out there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All you got to do is go and look in your social media feed if you're on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and you can, you can immediately begin to hear how bad things are out there, right? And, 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 and don't get me wrong, I'm not making light of it. I think there are some challenges that we have in America right now. There really are, okay? So I'm not making light of anything, but I will say this. It has made people so scared that there are people putting their, now catch this, their dreams, their call, their, their goals, and everything God's given them, they've put it on hold because of they're afraid to just take the next step. What if it doesn't happen? Well, what if, what, well, what if it, you know, the economy gets worse? And believe me, I'm not saying we should throw caution to the wind and just go out, you know, like a bunch of, you know, crazy people and woohoo look at this look at me i'm saying if it's paralyzing you you're in fear and i will tell you this when you have a group of believers that believe like you do it helps you to loosen that fear up and take the step that you need to take book of acts those guys are are the disciples they walked around with jesus I mean, they walked around with Jesus. They had the relationship with God that we all wish we had. Okay? Now, I'm not saying nobody in here is close to, close to God or anything, but, I mean, they're actually flesh and blood putting their hand on him, like, how's it going, Jesus? And they're walking around with him. And yet they are put in an upper room, and, and, and now they're threatened. And actually, Peter gets put in jail until you go preach Jesus again, you're done. And as soon as the, the angel comes in and gets him out of jail, which I think would be pretty awesome if that happened, you know, an angel showed up to change your situation just like that, that'd be pretty cool, okay? But the Bible says immediately he went to his same company. What happened? Peter went and joined with other believers who had been with Jesus. 
Other believers who had walked with Jesus. Other believers who had done the same things he did. What happened? Peter went and created for himself a shared, come on, experience. And when they shared that experience, actually, that's in Acts chapter 4. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came out and shook the house where they were assembled. And they went out and preached the word of God with even more boldness. Don't tell me they weren't scared. I mean, it'll only take a few times for me getting beaten, stuck in stock somewhere. It'd take one time, and I'd be scared from now on. These guys went out and did it again. Why? Because when you're with other believers, fear has to loosen its grip. Now, we don't, how do we do that? How do, I mean, it's, it's not just me being with somebody, all right? Fear doesn't come from God. How do we overcome it? We don't face it alone. Psalms chapter 23, verse number four. I'm going to go through these real fast. All right. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are, come on, with me. Psalms 118, verse 6, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. Shared experience. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, David also said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, yet my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Isaiah 41.13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. And lastly, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Come on, never will I forsake you. So say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What's he saying here? He's going with us. It's a shared experience with God, but it's more than that. And as we wrap this up today, all right? The reason the, the writers of the Bible were able to say so many times uh, about not being afraid and I won't be afraid is because they were going through these challenges, come on, with somebody. They were going through it with God, and he was walking right there with them. But if you read these stories, they were surrounded by other people who believed, come on, in the same God they did. Many people would say, yeah, I, I, I really feel like I can face anything because I know God's with me. And that's true, but isn't it great to know that you have somebody else right there praying with you? Doesn't that feel so good? I mean, listen, I'll just be honest with you. This, what we, what we do here, this has been the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Starting a church. I mean, where we came from, we were working in Oklahoma at a great church out there. I mean, we had a great job making a good income and everything, and the Lord started dealing with us about coming and doing this, and it's like, okay, God. <laughs> Whoa. It's been scary. But man, I'll tell you what, it's been awesome to have other people coming around us. I mean, my mom and dad will tell you, I call them every day. I have worn the phone line out. I mean, I, they, it got to the point where my mom's just like, listen, I can't talk right now. Because <laughs> we're, we're going through this alone. I mean, it was just me and Jody. We came down here and really didn't know anybody. We knew Tyler and Chantel. That was it. We didn't know anybody else. And we stepped out and just, in the moment, 
we first went and started meeting with people. We met Sarah first at, at the Panera Bread on Dr. Phillips, just right over here. And it was like, we saw her and it was like, grabbed her, hugged her, hug, oh, somebody else. I mean, and seriously. And then it was so cool because God started bringing people into our lives. And it was like connections were made. People were finding us on Facebook and people were messaging us and, and people would email us. And then some people saw us on TV. And, and it's like every contact we got, we relished it. It was like, oh, somebody else just to go walk through this with us. And why is that? It's not because God wasn't with us, but it's because he's using members of his body to help comfort us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul calls, says this in uh, verse number 12, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but, member, but, but many. <laughs> There is power, not just science power with an EEG and an ECG. There is a, a spiritual power that is made available when other Christians comfort one another. There is a, a access to the Holy Spirit that each one of us has because all of us that are Christians, we have the fruit of the Spirit. And the, one of the first three, listen, love, joy, peace. See, when we get uh, together with other believers like that, my peace adds to your peace. And now you have more peace than when you start by yourself. And just think about what happens when you have, was there 100 people in here maybe, 50, 70? I don't know how many people are in here. Think about how that increases with each person that comes in contact with you that believes that way. Your peace increases. This is why the power of unity is so pivotal in the body of Christ. Because when I put my peace with your peace, it's a now bigger peace. This is the ultimate shared experience. If you were to visit a website called boldlife.com, they offer 21 steps to overcome fear and to live out your dreams. The number one step on there is this. Ask for somebody to help you. Do not journey it alone. Find the people who will and can support you. If somebody says no, move on and ask someone else. When somebody ignores your request or tells you no, keep asking until you find someone else who can. And then they quote Lena Horne, the, the jazz singer, and she says this, It's not the load that breaks you down, it's the way you carry it. We're not meant to carry these things by ourselves. We're not meant to walk around and deal with fear by ourselves. And, 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 you know, there's so many people that are trying to do the Christian thing, and they're trying to pray enough, and they're trying, but yet they cut themselves off and they isolate themselves from other members of the body of Christ. And that, that person may never do anything specifically to address that problem, but if they would just come and be around those other people, that fear would start to loosen its grip on them. And the peace would increase in their lives. We are the body of Christ. And this here is a local body of believers. And we want to help you face your fears because we believe that the gift God's put inside of you isn't just a gift for you. It's a gift for the world. And it's scary to step out there and use it. 
But listen, if you unite together, if we do this together, and we have the shared experience of church together, and as a body together, that fear will loosen up its grip, and the next thing you know, you're doing things that you only thought you would do. Things that you knew God was dealing with you to do. Playing and singing and ushering and, or, or witnessing to somebody. We went and handed out orange juice at the Millennium Mall the other day or at the Florida Mall to everybody standing in line for the iPhone. Five, five o'clock in the morning. Loaded up 350 bottles of orange juice and water. or 500, I don't know how many it was. Suitcases, like crazy people. Went trugging out through there. Looked like a bunch of ragtag... Crazy people. We're all had no showers. I mean, the girls had makeup on. My hair sticking out the side of my hat. I mean, we looked awful, but we didn't care because we were all doing it together. It was fun. We were just like high fiving. It's like, hey, we're out here talking to crazy people. They're standing in line. Awesome. And people, security guards would walk by. And go, what are you guys doing? We're just sharing Jesus, man. <laughs> if you'd asked me to go do that by myself, I would have never done that. I'd have been too scared to. And I'm a pretty outgoing fella. Shared experiences will release fear in your life. Heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm done. Father, thank you for our time today. We ask right now in Jesus' name that as we do come together and we do what you've called us to do, Lord, I pray that as we decide to make a shared experience together, Lord, that the fear that is gripping some people's lives the fear that is paralyzing people from doing what you called them to do. Father, I pray that as we come together, that that fear would begin to loosen up and release people to go and do what you've called them to do. Lord, it doesn't mean it's not scary anymore, but it means that that fear can't control us because we go together. We go with you. We go with other members of the body of Christ. We thank you today for great testimonies of people doing what you've called them to do and becoming what you've called them to be. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name now, every